Fast Money starts right now. Live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square, I'm Melissa Lee. Your traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Brian Kelly, Steve Grasso, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, two big names reporting earnings moments ago. Micron and FedEx, both those stocks getting crushed after hours. The conference calls are getting underway right now. We'll bring you all the details. And the biggest bull on Wall Street just backed down, slashing his 2019 price target. So what changed to make this bull run scared? He'll join us. But we start with another wild day for the markets. The Dow initially rallying more than 300 points, snapping back from yesterday's losses. But the volatility kicked in this afternoon, and it was a bit of a whipsaw into the close. The Dow ending up just 80 points, the S&P 500 ending just barely in the green. And cue the Baywatch music, because it looks like the bulls are drowning. Headlines hitting like waves as trade turmoil worries over government shutdown and oil crashing way on stocks. All of this as investors wait to see what the Fed will do tomorrow. Will it be the Fed to the rescue? If not, what can save the bulls? I turn to our birthday boy today. Oh, oh happy birthday. Oh, big 4-0, baby. 40 years yeah. old. Come on, give me a little bit. Nice with job. The pod, I'm sure still. Come on. You know, you don't I mean, there's no I? sincerity when you said that. I'm just saying. I've, I've been trying to lose weight. Sorry. It's hard for some it's of us showing. at my advanced age. Look, you're fading away to a ton. I'm trying anyway. appreciate that. Huh? Kudos to Steve Grasso. 25.30, I think the low in the S&P today was 25.30, bounced from there. I think that's the good news for the Bulls. The other good news for the Bulls is the market had every opportunity after it gave up that 300-point gain to really roll over and have a miserable day. But it got it back late and it closed up whatever it did, 100 or so Dow points, the S&P is flat. Will the Fed save the market? I look, I think the Fed should move. I think the Fed should move in 19. But I get this funny feeling that they're going to move tomorrow, have dovish commentary in, in, their, in their prepared remarks. I think the market will like that. I think we're in for one of those late-year rallies. By the way, I don't think the problems are just the Fed, and I think 2019 is a year that this goes significantly lower. I think the Fed is a sell event tomorrow, so I'll take the other side of it. I think it's a sell event tomorrow. I think we broke down technically. We're going to break down further. I don't feel like it was capitulatory. Do you guys feel like it was capitulatory? No, I don't. When? It was no. not this, this, whole this whole week, the no. whole time. No, it hasn't, I haven't it hasn't felt, felt panicked at all. Technicals, I see 2,500. And I see 2375. I know it's ugly. I know it's Grim Reaper, but that's where I would see capitulation at that level. I don't see it just yet, so I think there's a lot more to go on the downside. Earlier today, I actually thought the Fed might have some kind of an influence because the dollar hadn't reacted to everything else. It's probably the one market that didn't price in the Fed. But the problem is now we got these horrible earnings after uh, after the close here, and that's going to cloud the economic picture. So even if the Fed does a dovish hike, Really, it comes down to what does the global economy look like? And based on the numbers we're getting now, it doesn't look great. Horrible earnings from cyclical companies, yeah. right? Indicators of economic strength or weakness here. So, so right. By the way, Steve, obviously a seller of a razor these days as well. well. I was working at a soup kitchen till the wee hours of the morning. How do you feel now, Tim? Don't hassle, <laughs> don't hassle a Hoff. All right. So bottom line here, um, if you think about FedEx and you think about Micron, you could make an argument that these are highly cyclical stocks, maybe less so even on Micron, although obviously semis were somewhat defensive. And, and I would highlight what Brian talked about just in terms of the other data we've had. I mean, German EFO, we want to know what's going on in the rest of the world. Well, what did FedEx tell us? They told us about the rest of the world. I would argue at a trough multiple that's in FedEx's price. But bottom line, Germany continues to get worse. If Germany's at two-year lows right now, the housing market. Again, single-family homes, housing starts are terrible. Um, Multi-family starts continue to be great, which means people are renting, not buying. Um, It's telling you something. And then how about oil? Okay, how about a 7% move in Brent? You have to talk about this. And I'm one of these guys that often says and have said about Brent, 
price is not truth, well, guess what? Um, we have a supply issue, and clearly the market is pricing in demand. Um, and right now, I'm not sure even OPEC can get this act together. It's, you can't get out of the way, uh, uh, start from the back end of that. You can't get out of the way with U.S. production just at record historic volumes, just uh, totally, not totally eclipsing, but eclipsing Saudis and Russia. And when you look at tomorrow when Powell speaks, when Powell speaks, even if he doesn't raise only but once in 2019, what, what are they doing? They're burning $50 billion per month. It's a raise every time they meet. And that's what, that's what the president referred to in his Trump when he said to the, to the effect of let go of the 50 Bs right. right there. It's the QT aspect of the whole thing. But, I mean, what do you think the market reaction would be if we did, in fact, get a so-called dovish hike? I think the knee-jerk, I think the knee-jerk, the knee-jerk will be higher. higher. I mean, really? I'll, so I'll take the other Why side. Why doesn't the market it, already know that? I don't know. I know that. And, you know, and then we have conversations like, I guess it wasn't priced in. So we, you know, I could see coming on the set tomorrow, that happening and saying, guess what? It wasn't priced in. I'm not suggesting I'm right, but I think that could be sort of the backdrop, especially after the Federal Express numbers, which, by the way, the guidance was a disaster. So the Fed has some air cover now to be dovish. Mm-hmm. By the way, again, I don't think they should be. I think they should be moving in 19. It doesn't matter. I'm not an economist. It doesn't matter what I well, think. Well, the Fed can't win, can they? It really? can't win. No. Yeah, because, first of all, they're going to hike us into a recession or they're going to not do enough. And let's face it. I mean, it, whether it's the stock market that's only 13 percent off its highs, whether it's a housing market that's still at all time highs, um, you, you've got asset prices that I think are, are really kind of in trouble if the Fed doesn't continue to move. So, I mean, for all the people that have been beating up the Fed uh, and saying that they haven't been moving. The market uh, doesn't well, like. The market doesn't like. I'm just saying right. people have to be consistent here. I mean, the this, has been, this has been do. the main focus of the market since October 3rd. Yes, there's trade headlines. Yes, there's about four other headlines that have been headwinds. Mm-hmm. But the main focus have been higher rates. Higher rates equals lower equity. And by the way, the markets don't respond to trade headlines at all. I mean, we had Secretary right. Mnuchin come on midday right. saying that they were working on U.S.-China trade talks in January. Exactly. No response whatsoever. Exactly. One month ago, yep. that was probably what? 10 points on the S&P 500? Of course, I don't know. yeah. And so, I mean, we talked about this ridiculous strategy of every time the market was down, you come out and say, hey, we had talks with the Chinese again, and the market would rip. Eventually, you lose all credibility, and it appears that's what they've done. Now, when you start to look at what the economic impact is around the world, the one thing I've been concerned about, and I think other people have as well, is saying, how long is this trade war going to last? We have a Fed. We know they're tightening. Now, let's go to the trade war. Temporary trade war, and we get some really good free trade, that's probably pretty good good for the U.S. Mm -hmm. But if it's lasting longer and it's starting to have an economic impact, as FedEx and Micron are showing and Europe are showing, then you've got a real problem. And I don't think the Fed has anything that they can do tomorrow. Let's say, let's put aside the trade war. When it comes to the data points we have gotten, do we already know, do the markets already know that there is global, a global slowdown underway to the point where U.S. equities will be affected? European markets know, the Asian markets markets know. know. The U.S. market, given the fact it's only down 12 percent from ish from the all-time high, I don't think it does know. Uh-huh. But again, getting back to commodity what I think, markets know. commodity markets, commodity markets, commodity markets I mean, absolutely know. Yeah, it's and, the last market to know, but it's the last market to feel that collateral damage, and it will eventually feel that collateral damage. You can't rise in a vacuum. Well, what's interesting is I'm not saying this is the time to go out and buy an emerging markets, although there have been a couple head fakes, and I have to say I was probably head faked about 10 days ago, 15 days ago, um, but. Emerging markets and other asset classes are actually outperforming the U.S. now. 
Finally, again, on a relative basis. So if you look at actually EM bottomed against the S&P in early October, that's telling you, remember we were asking those questions, how about the rest of the world? Well, uh, I think the U.S. is catching up. It's not that the rest of the world is getting that much better. So let's say we get a dovish hike tomorrow. That moves the dollar what lower. lower. The dollar and goes EM lower. Should rip, right? You should. That's a, and that was my pl- uh, trading plan going into tomorrow until I heard this news after the close. But I still think you can use that as your trading plan. You see the dollar fall apart yesterday. You want to buy EM. You want to buy your multinationals. You want to buy all these things that have been killed because of the strong How much dollar. Can it fall apart though? I mean, I'm not saying talking- it's falling apart. I'm saying it goes lower. Okay. Right. Uh, for for a rebound rally. All right. All right. As the bull struggled to survive, Wall Street's biggest bull is backing down. He just slashed his 2019 S&P 500 target to 29.25 from 33.50 after a brutal month. Let's bring in Jonathan Golub, chief U.S. equity strategist for Credit Suisse. Jonathan, good to have you with us. Good to be here. Is it fair to say you backed down? You know, I, I have to say I hate lowering this target because I am not seeing fund. I'm not seeing fundamentals deteriorating. And, and I just want to say. There is no question we're going to see the economy slow down. That's not even a question. I think that that's well understood. But if you look at, you know, I think that that's baked into the earnings. Next year, we're going to see uh, we have 6 to 7% EPS growth. Not fantastic, but good enough. And if we have the Fed done, which I think is what we're going to find out either soon or either very soon or somewhat soon, that plus 6 or 7% EPS growth, I think is enough for this to get the market back on better footing as long as nothing goes wrong. Okay. So, yes. Am I still bullish? Yes. But, so, I, but yes, I'm, I have so to take can, it down. Can I ask you to pull the curtain back in terms of how Whoa. you strategists come okay. up with these year-end targets? Because sure. I'm assuming, or I always thought growing up, that you had models <laughs> <laughs> and you plugged oh, no. in, you know, what earnings, what you thought earnings would be for right. next year, et cetera. Has that changed or has it simply been the market pulled back in the month of December and you said, we are going to return X percent and so therefore I have to re-rate my price by the way, a 13-year-old Melissa probably was thinking about economic (laughs) models, by the way. It's a compliment, I think. But so so let's start with the earnings. Um, We're not changing our numbers at all. We we model them based on what the expectation for the economy is, and it's slower. We model that lower oil already was going to take a little bit of a, about a 1.5% off of the earnings because that's that's negative. Buybacks are going to continue to be strong you know, one and a half percent from buybacks, we get something that's like, you know, like I said, six to seven percent, which is not brilliant, but is probably okay. Um, And valuations, if you look at the cost of capital, 10-year bond yield is down, which offsets some of the spread widening that we've had. The cost of capital is still really cheap. And recessionary risk right now, I mean, we talk about weakness. The ISM has been printing close to 60. We're not going into recession. So I think the market rates, I have as much as I lowered my number, 15% upside on a number, which, which is a lot lower than what I thought it would be. Or so, to Jonathan, when you're talking about, you see news like FedEx, which is, I would say, some sort of a barometer, bellwether, and Micron, perhaps. Sure. How do you think about that in terms of your earnings forecast? Because tomorrow the market's going to say they're going to rate everybody lower because of what FedEx did. Right. So I look at a couple of things. One is I, I look at where I think the earnings would be based on, like I said, economic drivers. And then separately, we take all the Wall Streets, all the analysts across Wall Street, not just the Credit Suisse guys, but the consensus 
numbers and I look at what are they doing and how are they revising their numbers. And right now, the revisions are like very normal. Like it's not like analysts are slashing uh, their numbers. And if they are, it's probably because they're seeing the market going down and feel you know, no different than with me with my numbers. I, I got to cut something here. Maybe I'm too optimistic. Um, but we're not seeing analysts wholesale cutting their numbers yet. But, but you, you've cut 425 S&P points. At, you know, relative to an S&P at, you know, 2550 right it's, now. It's a 12% so, so, or something like that, yep. Which, okay. is, which is basically what the market But you market said it's all because of volatility? I mean, largely Yeah, and here's what I think risk. is going to happen. You know, I think the VIX will be in three, four, five months from now will be below 15. I think that that causes um, equities to re-rate. I think the Fed is going to tell you they're done. I think that causes things to re-rate. And I think you have an okay but good enough earnings backdrop. And I think that that gives you a double digit, uh, you know, double digit number. So when you when you look at it, the cost of capital is going up. We talked about at the top of the show when you we burn into 50 billion per month, no matter how you slice it, the cost of capital is. Right, so, go- let, so let me start with let me start on that. Companies have termed out out their debt. So you have um, the amount of short term debt on, on corporate balance sheets is the lowest it's ever been in history compared to long term debt because they realized that they were never going to get better than this and they termed it out. So the Fed can move the short rate up. It may help so it taking, may hurt somebody, but not most. So taking the corporations out of it, and when right. you look at what the banks are telling us with the story, well, you have portions of yield curves that have inverted. Whether you look at threes, fives, now you look at twos, tens that are damn near close to it. Right. Doesn't that give you the heads up when you look at sell-side banks that are sort of late? And, and I'm, I, I'm trying not to make this an insult, but every dip is, a, is worth buying. It just seems like every sell-side no, bank will come on and say every dip is worth no, buying. I mean, so, on that, so listen, there's, there's a whole bunch of things that can go wrong. And if I see them going badly, I'll, I'll, I'll take a bearish view. So first, let me start with, so let's talk about the bear case. I think Donald Trump is in this trade thing for way longer than we think. So as much as I'm optimistic, so people were talking three weeks ago, are we going to get a deal at the G20? No. If the Chinese gave him something early, he'd say, all right, fine, that's a starting, that's a starting of the negotiation. Let's do better. What he realizes right now, Europe is actually piling on and saying we think that Trump is right on this, and they want to get in on a better deal with China. So I think that we're going to be living with this for a while. Is it how much GDP does it take off? 20 basis points, 10, 30. Right now the economy is fine. I think that it's going to continue to be noise. Is it going to be a problem? It may be. Right now, I think it's just going to be noise. So that's number one. Number two, we have a tight labor market. There's a chance that as much as the Fed wants to be out of this, that inflation can pull them back in. If that happens, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to come on here and say, I'm slashing my numbers, but now I really mean it. Now I'm really negative on things. So those, to me, were probably the two biggest things. Am I concerned about this removal of liquidity from the Fed? I don't think it's a problem, but we don't know. We've never had. Give me a case to look at that looks like this. You know, I don't think it is, but, you know, but that could be a problem as well. So there's a bunch of things. Um, Overall, though, I think the backdrop with the Fed out, Mm -hmm. no recession, a little bit slower growth. I'm okay. Jonathan, thank you. Jonathan Golub, Credit Suisse. All right. So, so guy, I mean, I'd like to I, I don't. Kind of I do not envy Wall Street strategists these days. SunTrust, in fact, coming out today saying that we're not going to publish a year-end target. Oh, come on. It's really? treacherous to publish year-end targets these have days. Have a take a view. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a view and defending it. 
people don't necessarily, they applaud you for taking a view and having cogent arguments and not necessarily always having to be right. At so. least you know directionally where somebody stands. But anyway, Guy. Well, I think Steve brings up the $50 billion that's coming off the Fed's balance sheet every month. Tim mentioned this last night. He talked about $600 billion for the year. I mean, the easiest thing to do when you're trading or putting on a prop trade is getting into the trade. The hardest thing to do is getting out. And that's what the Fed's trying to do. And they're trying to do it in an elegant fashion not to disrupt the markets. Can't happen. Almost by no definition, way. it can't happen. And I think, to yeah. your point, that's a big problem. To Jonathan's point quickly about the yeah. VIX getting to 15, a lot of things better happen for the VIX to get to 15. Because on a day when the S&P was up significantly, as was the Dow, the VIX was actually up on the day. So the VIX is telling a little bit of a different story right now. All right. Boeing, just the latest company to join the buyback boom. It's a record year as companies try to take advantage of their falling stock prices. Is it a sign the market bottom is closer than you think? That's next. Plus, check out where we stand with both FedEx and Micron after hours of stocks, both getting crushed. We've got a technician waiting in the wings to give us the instant reaction on both of those names. And Tilray, striking a major deal with one big pharma giant. The stock heating up after what's been a cold start to December. We'll tell you why investors are so excited. We are live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money coming right up. Welcome back to Fast Money. Chipmaker Micron getting slammed after hours following its earnings report after the bell. Josh Lipton's in San Francisco with all the details and what Wall Street is saying about the results. Josh. So, Melissa, I checked in with a couple analysts on the actual print. I'll bring you those comments. Rosenblatt's Hans Mosesman saying, OK, quarter, not as bad as feared. Top line at lower end of range. Non-gap EPS, a slight beat off of a higher op- OPEX. Stiefel's Kevin Cassie saying results roughly in line with pre-announced expectations. $1.8 billion out of $10 billion share repurchase shows a good start, he told me. Potential for accelerating repurchases if shares trade lower. Importantly, though, Melissa, I checked in with both those guys before the call which is when we got this guidance that really undershot what the street had been looking for. So Q2, Micron is saying to expect EPS here of about $1.75. The street was at $2.44. Revenue also really missing here. They're saying to look for between $5.7 billion and $6.3 billion. The street had modeled uh, $7.3 billion. Uh, really, the ex- executives on the call here talking about uh, a near-term outlook that they call more challenging. They talk about weaker demand, uh, specifically just, for example, data center. They say they're seeing reduced revenue. They expected that that headwind to persist for a couple quarters, seeing cloud customers go through a period of digestion, in their words. Graphics also uh, revenue headwinds that they think are going to continue for a couple quarters here. Uh, Check out the SMH, though, Melissa, because it's not just Micron. Look at the chips generally, that chip ETF. Even at the close today, it was down about 20% from its recent high. You can see it head lower now here in the after hours. It was interesting because I had a, a recent chat with Susquehanna's uh, Mehdi Hosseini, who had actually gone to Asia recently. He had checked in with his um, really assemblers there, manufacturers, distributors, and he said he was expecting more near-term pressure here because of this very demand weakness we're now hearing about from Micron in these markets, PCs, smartphones, cloud infrastructure. Um, and when I talked to Mehdi, he really thought you had about maybe 10% more down downside risk to this sector before all this bad news, in his opinion, was really priced in. Melissa, back to you. All right, Josh. Thank you, Josh Lipton in San Francisco. Uh, Josh had mentioned the action in the after hours under the SMH. And, and look at WDC, Western Dig, that's down by more than 2%, specifically in the same area. But also, NVIDIA is down, Texas Instruments, <clears throat> Cypress Semi. So it's yeah, and you know, Tim's been correct over the last week or so. Semis actually had been, until this, had been trading pretty well, giving you hope, at least some optimism for this quarter. Guidance is a disaster. 
disaster. Now, in the spring, Micron announced a $10 billion buyback. And I remember saying on the show, you know what, that's Micron telling us that they're no longer cyclical. They're getting away from being a commoditized business. And for about a month and a half, it looked like we were geniuses. And then that turned pretty quickly. That buyback turned out to be a disaster. Guidance is, you know, people have been buying this on valuation. Well, guess what? It actually probably just got more expensive on the way down, which is interesting. You know, what's really weird, really quick, is that if you, oh, I think we all make it a lot more difficult. I know that I do, than it really is. If you look at DRAM, you put up a what? chart, thank oh, you. I'm not sure what you're talking about. Just, every, just, 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 just everything. <laughs> just, fill, just fill in the blank. So if you put up a chart on DRAM and then you overlay it with Micron, from March, DRAM prices have been down 40%. Micron's down about 43% commodity producer basically yeah and that's that's the defense against maybe this isn't the ultimate cyclical tell because on some level uh, i think the software part of all of this is something to be a little bit more concerned about too businesses tend to um, use software to lower prices and become more efficient they also one way to lower capex and opex is to stop buying software so i mean i think it's something that at least it's been an incredible cycle for software yeah, I, I mean, just there's nothing good about this earnings report. And we're going to have Todd talk a little about technicals, but 33.5, big level for Micron, breaking through that. So now I've got deteriorating fundamentals and a technical break. That's no place that BK wants to be. We'll see what Todd huh. says about yeah. the mm. technical break. For more instant analysis to Micron earnings and the entire chip space, let's go off the charts with Todd Gordon of tradinganalysis.com at the Plasma. Todd. Hey, Melissa, uh, BK, I got some lower levels for you. But first, let's talk about the earnings. Micron, nothing good here, down 7.48%, trading 31.56 after hours. I'll tell you, the loss of 33 from a technical point of view is no good. I do see lower levels here. Options markets were expecting a move down to about $31 um, heading into earnings for tomorrow's trade. So if we exceed the 31 level, again, look for additional selling. So as we get off the intraday kind of earnings reaction chart, let's get into it. You guys were talking about how much of a commoditized uh, space chips are. I think with um, some charts, long-term monthly charts, we could just put it into context just how kind of uh, rhythmical and, and patterned these really are. So this is Micron all the way back in the monthly chart here. What you'll see is there's two significant declines in MU, 67%, 74%. You take the average, call it 70%. If we're, in fact, in a 70% decline, which has happened twice before in the past, we have further to go. Right now, as of the close of business today, we're down 49%, so obviously another 20% on the downside. Let's go from this chart down to, actually, it's going to be a monthly again, but we're going to put a little bit more details behind this. Okay. A 70% a 70 decline, like we've seen here and here, puts you BK at about $20, and I hate to say it, but it also corresponds perfectly with this uptrend support. You can't make this kind of stuff up. When there's so much pattern and it's such a technical level that comes together, I feel the market attracts to it. It's quite a drop, but this is certainly within, within realm of, of reasonable expectations. Back to the SMH, you're gonna see that, that rhythmical kind of decline that we've seen twice on the monthly chart is nowhere near severe, obviously is in the holders as it is in Micron. But what we've seen in those two declines are 29%, 27%. So far, SMH has done 24%. So it's within reason, another 3% lower will get you to about $83. We just broke that 90 level after hours on the back of Micron, so again, that's about $75 to $83. I was kind of going back and forth with Dan Nathan on this. I was bullish semis. He was right. We really need to hold that 83 and then 75 is that uptrend support there. If you break this, you're going to outbalance, overbalance those prior corrections. That's when a correction turns into something more. So 
we have a little bit lower to go, but if it keeps going, that's a problem. Okay, so more pain ahead, especially for Micron. I want to also talk about that Amazon call that you made last week. I mean, it dropped jaws here. Um, You said that Amazon could sink, what, to 800 bucks or so? Where, where do we stand now, now that we are practically at February lows on the S&P 500? Yeah, again, that was a, there's a huge asterisk on that call. I'm not saying Amazon breaks 1,000. If this market does not hold up, some of the symmetry we talked about in the chips, we're seeing different sectors start to break down. If 24.5 goes, 24.50 S&P brings 21. If the overall market does melt down, here's where support comes in in Amazon. I made this point um, on another segment on CNBC. If you... Try to draw a trend line. Okay, fine. We're going to be right there. What happens if this traditional trend line doesn't hold? Where does support, where do you derive support? So the way you calculate this is if you don't have anything on the downside, take the angle of ascent on the upside, control C, copy, paste, drop it below, and then you project up. This is a massive, massive rally from about $35 in Amazon to about 2050 Guys, that's a 5,800% rally in Amazon. What would you say if we did a 25% retracement of a 5,800% rally? I don't think that's out of the question. Again, that comes in right at lower channel support. And depending on the angle of attack, how fast we get down there, that's going to be possibly 900. And if we kind of just Langer, we just kind of, this, this slow meltdown continues. It could be 800, it could be 700, depends on the angle of the cent. But if this market is going to correct under lower support, that is defined from the low of the credit crisis, those are the support levels we're looking at. I'm just being objective. I'm not trying to be sensationalistic. I, I, Too late. I, I, <laughs> I mean, he was like just that last to week, too. I see, not but what I think. And that, for to, me, that serves us well in technical. To be clear, the asterisk is if the market melts down. So what is your definition of a market meltdown? The way I'm playing it, Melissa, is 2150 is the equivalent uptrend channel in the S&P. At that point, then 1850 is the 2015 breakout. I mean, we obviously have that 700 points lower in the S&P. As the way FANG is going, if we're including Amazon in that, that certainly, I think, looks within reason here. Okay. Todd, thank you. Todd Gordon of TradingAnalysis.com. Mr. Sunshine today. Wow. He, the, what was that? Control, alt, delete, space, no. C, oh, C, C, copy, copy paste. Guy. C yeah. stands for copy. That's yeah. where I just yeah. dialed out. I mean, and Todd wasn't calling for Amazon. Let's just be clear. That wasn't his no. call. And I think he tried to make that clear. Again, I thought it was clear the last time. Getting back to Micron quickly. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, if you listen to what they said, high-end smartphones, a problem. What does that mean for Apple? Apple's probably lower in the aftermarket. I haven't looked. If Apple can somehow turn positive tomorrow, maybe that's at least to tell for Apple that all this news that we're seeing now in the microns of the world is in the stock. You know what's really interesting about his Amazon call? That if we erase all the S&P gain that Trump had from election night, we're back to 2100 in the S&P. That's where you get your Amazon. And I think eventually, unfortunately, I think we're going to erase it. You think we get to 2100 on the other yeah, I think eventually. I'm not, I'm, this is not going to be a month-out call, yeah. but I think, I think it's, it's, it'll be steeped in irony if we erase the entire Trump rally. Well, what's great about technicals is that it takes the emotion out of trading, right? And so where you make most of your mistakes is you get too emotional, too caught up in anything. So you look at something like what Todd's saying, that's where support is. Whether you like it or not, that's where support is. But I think to as Todd's point and to your point, Steve, it's going to be a while. A lot of things have to happen. And I would suggest you probably have to have a recession mm-hmm. type of uh, economic environment for that to happen. 400 points lower on the S&P 500. You buy or seller of that? Uh, well, I'd be a buyer of that. 
I'd be a buyer of that. If, with, with what I know now, I'd be a buyer of that. For more on Todd Gordon's big Amazon call, head to tradingnation.cnbc.com. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC. Here's what else is coming up. Always go for the throat. Buy low, sell high. Fear, that's the other guy's problem. Yep, and that's exactly what corporate America is doing. As the buyback boom heats up, and the traders will tell you which names they are buying back to. Plus, this is like the apex of the vortex of joint engineering. Okay, not exactly. But Tilray did just make a major deal with pharmaceutical giant Novartis. And we will tell you why that has pot investors feeling, well, high. There's much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Corporate buybacks are booming this year as companies buy back a record $1 trillion of their own stock. Bob Pisani is at the New York Stock Exchange with more on this. Bob. Hello, Melissa. You know, it's official. This is an all-time record year for buybacks. Announced buybacks for 2018, now $1.1 And they're using those authorizations. About $800 billion has already been bought back. That leaves about $300 billion in unused buybacks out there. Now, we've seen buyback announcements recently from Lowe's, Pfizer, and Facebook. But as stocks have moved to new lows, companies are picking up the pace of activity. So we've seen new buybacks from Boeing, Johnson & Johnson, Universal Health Services, Shoe Carnival, Playa Hotels, and several have announced accelerated buyback programs. So Allstate, for example, announced they had just bought back $1 billion in stock using an existing buyback program. It's a sign that many CFOs believe their stock is undervalued. Will the buybacks continue into 2019? That's what we're trying to figure out. And the answer is yes, providing companies continue to throw off significant free cash flow. That's the source of most buybacks. If there is a significant economic slowdown, that cash flow will likely diminish and the pace of buybacks will diminish as well. Second, companies need to continue to believe that reducing share count and boosting earnings per share is a more valuable use of their cash than making investments elsewhere, like actually investing in their businesses. Well, all this buyback activity unfortunately plays into the hands of critics who argue it's a form of financial engineering that does not really do anything to improve business operations or the fundamentals. It also plays into the hands of the people who are critical of the tax cuts, arguing that obsessing over ways to boost stock prices helps the investing class, but not the average American. Unfortunately, the corporates, corporations, as you see, Melissa, have kind of become addicted to these buybacks. Back to you. All right, Bob, thank you. Bob Pisani at the New York Stock Exchange. So should you be betting on these companies that are betting on themselves? Sounds like the perfect time to play, play a little. Game. Trade, Trade it, it or fade it. Or fade it. And since Guy here is one year older today, Aww. he might have a hard time remembering things. I'll explain how this works. Please. I will name a stock. Let's use Boeing as an example. If a trader <laughs> is buying that stock, they will say, trade it, and you will see and hear this. If they're not buying the stock, they will say, fade it. And you'll see in here this. All right, got it? Can Tim start first? Guy, oh. we are going to start with the birthday Come on, boy, birthday guy, boy. And we are going to use Boeing. Oh, you see, so like you gave me the answer. You gave me the answer to the... Well, I said trade it and fade it, so I didn't really give you any answer. Yeah, I'm not one year older today. Just well, yesterday that's... you were... 61, oh, yes, I was, and today I'm you're a day 62. older than I was yesterday. That's not, ha, 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 ha. So when I retire from the show, you're going to be really be upset. You're going to be like, I made him. So trade it or fade it? 
Yes. I'm going to trade that sucker. All right. And I'm going to want the little green light to go on. And this is why I'm going to trade. You know, we, last night we talked, we ba- much ballyhooed buyback Johnson Johnson, $5 billion. And I pointed out it's $330 billion market cap company. It's really not a big deal. Boeing, however, with a $20 billion buyback on about $180 billion market cap, that's pretty significant. That coupled with the fact they continue to raise their dividend, they traded an 18 multiple in a company that's basically growing 20 times earnings-ish. So I say you trade this sucker, and I understand the China tariffs, I get all that, but I think Boeing is a name you continue to stay with. I mean, the dividend raise is much more powerful, right, in terms of yeah. them being confident about the future than a buyback. Right, exactly. And and we've already priced in a lot of this stuff. So I'm with Guy on this. I'm a trade it, and I would actually double trade it. Can mm. you do that? Like Does trade that it mean twice? you fade it? You, well, I would, fade, I would only trade it if the dollar fades. I don't know what that That's means. So I'm now, I now feel like Guy Adami. I don't understand this game anymore. But uh, and I know we're looking for a fade it. But if there's one company out there that you would trade it, it's this company. This company's going to have 16 billion in free cash flow. They were not hurt in the same way. It's as blue chip as they come for companies that should be buying back stock. Mm. Next stock, Facebook. Grosso, oh. trade it or fade it. So, so oddly enough, I, I, I was a fader of Boeing, mm. but. I think I want to be a trader of Facebook. I, where, if you look at the tech, where were you? We had three people trading Boeing. We needed a fade. It got a little long-winded. But the game is all about to move things along. No, these things, these things, first of all, whenever they authorize and versus what they actually buy back are two, always two different things. They always buy back less Apparently, than the authorization Boeing bought is. back, like, what, $9 billion but, in their but, and, and they doubled up on whatever it is, but, but they always buy back less. And their buyback Boeing is only going to take place in January. So you're going to get so a couple we of weeks. talking about Facebook yeah, Facebook technically. <laughs> Thank you. It's been so beaten up. So I think shorter term, you could see the actual corporate repurchase act as if put your money where your mouth is. So I think people probably see this as a positive event. Ultimately, I think Facebook is lower, short term higher. Well, so said, I said, I see I, now. That's 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 I trade it short term. The show is called the Fast question. Money. So I think in the next couple of months, you are able to trade it by Facebook. But I think ultimately, okay. right. it is Whoa, a fade. Well, look so at that chart. It, look, look, at that chart. look at that Holy chart. Cow. It's been pretty good I, price yeah, action in the face of a market meltdown. Do you have up there where the corporate repurchase was announced on Facebook? That was really the near term low. Steve, trade it or fade it? Trade it. Thank you. Thank you. You people are so it's the exasperating. Beard. Um, BK, Lowe's. Fade it. Oh, no, wait, wrong one. So Lowe's, Lowe's, Lowe's I'm, I'm actually Taylor. going, to, I'm going to trade this. And wow. the reason why, you look at the free cash flow. Bob Bassani mentioned it's all about free cash flow. 23% growth coming in 2019. As long as they can maintain that, I think you trade Lowe's. Hmm. Trade Lowe's. Why, if it were a hotel chain, it would have been a fade? Yeah, probably. Oh. <laughs> Well, if you're asking me, I'm afraid I can't give you a fade. I'm going to trade this one as well. I think this company trades three turns cheap to Home Depot, and they're going to start to close that gap. I think home improvement does better in a down housing market as well because people are fixing up. I think this company's reinvested in itself nicely, and it's cheap. All right. I'm going to go back to Tim, but this time with Pfizer. Mm. Trade it or fade it. Okay. So just so I don't look like I'm leaning in one direction, I am fading Pfizer. Uh, nice alliteration there. Ultimately, I think a company that did nothing for four years and re-rated 35% over the last six months um, is valuation-wise in an area that it has to justify at this point. So it's as simple as that. Great company, great balance sheet. I understand why they did this. It's already re-rated. All right. Let's settle the score with a little options action and look who is making a very special appearance today. I believe it's in honor of Guy's birthday, Dan Nathan. 
Um, we were just discussing Pfizer, as you heard. So what is the option market telling you about whether to trade it or fade it? Yeah, it's interesting because uh, on a big down day today for the stock and the space kind of getting roughed up of late, um, you know, call volume was two times that of puts in Pfizer. So I'm trading this one. This one's kind of interesting here near term. Obviously, um, you know, there's been a lot of optimism about a lot of different drugs, a lot of valuation support, um, you know, kind of defensive in this space. But today there was a trade just short term in Pfizer where traders were buying the December 28th weekly 44 calls, paying 30 cents for those. The largest block of the day was 1,000 of those, 5,000 traded on the day. That is really just a short term play to get back up to that upper end of the range. I have a couple charts here um, real quickly here. Here's the one year you see this kind of consolidation on here. Right at the low end of the range. It looks like some pretty decent support. This is 44. This is what this trader is likely playing for over the next seven or so uh, days. I want to go real quickly to the five-year chart here. This breakout, and Tim just talked about a re-rating. That is a pretty epic breakout after a very long consolidation. I suspect you see a continued consolidation to this upside um, range. And then just lastly, you know, we know that volatility has increased all over the market here. This is implied volatility. The price of Pfizer options. You see that they've shot up pretty dramatically over the last couple of months with the market. It's getting back to those prior levels. What is that telling you? Short dated option prices are expensive. So if you're making long premium bets, you're buying calls, you're buying puts, playing for a directional move, understand that the price of those options are very expensive. You may get the direction right, but the magnitude of the room move wrong and you lose money. So you got to be very careful in environments like this, picking directions, using long premium trades. All right. Thanks, Dan. May I ask yeah, you a great question? Great having them around. Yeah, you're, 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 you're the smartest one by Quickly, far. Though, yeah. running no, but does alliteration have to, the words have to start with the same letter? Because no, he's sounds, amazing Pfizer. Why are you calling me out? I know it's I'm not calling you out. Just, just I asked Mel yelling. a question. For more options action, check out the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. For more on the recent buyback boom, tune into Mad Money tonight. And you can see Jim on the Kramer cam talking to the Boeing CFO. After its big announcement today, that's at the top of the hour. Coming up on Fast, FedEx getting crushed after hours. The company's conference call kicking off right now. we got the latest headlines, plus Tilray soaring after striking a deal with pharma giant Novartis. The stock has gotten smoked in the last month. Oh, but ho, is ho, this ho. the Christmas miracle the pot players have been waiting for? Pot More players. Fast Money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. The cannabis space has been wheeling and dealing in the last few months with another major partnership in the industry today. Check out shares of Tilray soaring 16% after announcing a deal with pharma company Novartis, the first major partnership between a big cannabis company and big pharma. Tilray CEO Brendan Kennedy explained what it means for Tilray on Power Lunch earlier today. When I started in this industry eight years ago, there were 15 countries in the world that had legalized medical cannabis. Today, there are more than 35. It's, it's really clear to me that we go from 35 to 40 to 50, 60 countries around the world in the next 24 to 36 months. And so this, <clears throat> this agreement enables us to uh, use the, the Sandoz uh, supply chain and Salesforce uh, and distribution network to ensure that we can enter uh, new markets globally uh, at a much faster pace. Sandoz, by the way, is a unit of Novartis. Now, Tim here is our resident cannabis king. He's long a number of names, sits on advisory boards for cannabis stocks. So you can check out all the disclosures on our website. Meantime, what does this mean? And it's, it's interesting that 
The other ones were making deals with CPG or consumer product companies, right. and, and Tilray is going after medical. Yeah, let's face it. When people talk about the verticals that cannabis is, is disrupting massively, um, certainly pharma is one of them. And so Novartis, through Sandoz, is a global player. This is very different than a CPG play. This is actually using distribution, co-branding, possibly developing new, new products. And if there's an international company out there, it's a drug company. Let's face it. They have to operate in different jurisdictions where they have to have the compliance uh, and the regulatory framework down. And certainly this is the right kind of a partner for a company. If Tilray has been differentiating themselves anyway, any in any particular way, it's been a global footprint and a company that's actually been focused a little bit less on this. By the way, this deal goes straight into Canada. It will help these guys right away get a leadership, at least with the direct-to-market consumer and the online. So good for them. By the way, when I was talking to Brandon, he also talked about all the markets that still have yet to come online in terms of legalization. They recently put on an advisory board, mm -hmm. the former DNC chair, the former RNC chair, and a couple of ministers from Germany and Australia. So they're really ramping up in terms of they are loaded, the lobbying But, I, but, I, but I still wonder about cannabis. I, I, I think the future is bright. I'm long Canopy. I'm long Kronos. So I, I do think that you're going to get the ability for a longer-term trade in this. But if you still look back to that legalization date in Canada, all these stocks have peaked. So I think they're fluffed with a lot of the energy. So you sort of need a little bit of reality to set in before it's they... coincided with a market downturn, though. I mean, to be fair. Uh, yes, to a certain extent. And yeah, I do think these, that you can match kinda... up the Bitcoin buyer. I know that you disagree with me on this, Tim. I think the Bitcoin buyer versus the cannabis guys, I think that it's the alternate investment. So, yes, it's simultaneous with the market selling off as well. Still ahead, FedEx getting crushed after hours. The company CEO speaking on the conference call right now. will tell you what his investors running scared right after this break. Welcome back to Fast Money. Shares of Darden topping the tape today, jumping over 5% after reporting earnings this morning. Raising its 2019 outlook. Is this a sign cracks in the consumer are actually fading? Steve. Well, well, this one is actually a pretty good restaurant operator in the space. So I don't know if you could take this and overlay it with the rest of the market. Pretty solid numbers, good comps, and labor was less of an issue for them as it was for the rest of the space. So I think this might be a standalone. I would buy, be a buyer of the stock. All right, coming up, FedEx sinking after lowering guidance moments ago. The stock has gotten absolutely crushed this month. And check out the move in the after hours, down 6%. Uh, we'll tell you what the company is saying. Some really cautious comments about the global economy. Much more Fast Money coming up next. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on FedEx. The stock is tanking after hours. Let's get to Eric Chemi for all the details. Eric. Melissa, that's right. Despite slight beats on the top and bottom lines, FedEx shares dropping a quick more than 5% on earnings because the company is significantly reducing fiscal year EPS guidance. The company is saying that's because of weakness in international markets, especially Europe. Here's what the CEO had to say just a few minutes ago on the call. FedEx is experiencing strong growth in the U.S., where the economy remains solid. However, our international business, especially in Europe, weakened significantly since we last talked with you during our earnings call in September. In addition, China's economy has weakened due in part to trade disputes. 
As a result, FedEx is laying out a series of cost-cutting measures, including voluntary employee buyouts, limits in staff hiring, cutting back on bonuses and other variable comp, reducing network capacity, and cutting back on discretionary spending. The company already expecting to take a half-billion-dollar charge for U.S.-based employees on those buyouts on top of any international employees that get bought out as well. Back to you, Melissa. Eric, thank you. Eric Chemi back at headquarters. I mean, this is really... These are dramatic statements coming out of FedEx compared to what they said in September. Well, 90 days ago. Not, right. Yeah. Not only that, I mean, Fred Smith, first of all, I think is one of the best in the Straight business. He's, he's a very, you know, non-irrational dude. Um, but the bottom line here is this is a company that trades at a trough multiple. But when I start hearing about staff cuts and, and things that sound like restructuring, um, this doesn't sound like that Europe has gone down very, very quickly, which it has and which should concern you regardless. Well, these are permanent things that he's doing, right? Or maybe not permanent, but they are longer-term type of things. You're cutting staff. You're reducing spending. You're doing a lot of things that are going to reduce your footprint here. So they not only see it in the last 90 days. I mean, think, think about the dramatic slowdown that had to occur over the last 90 days when they raised their estimates for them now to say, hey, wait a second, things are slowing down, and they're slowing down so much that we've got to make cuts. It's the degree of deterioration that has happened in just three yeah. months. Is this a data point? That Jerome Transport. Powell should be has looking to. at. Has I, to be. He has. I mean, not in terms of the stock performance, in terms what of their, he's saying. what exactly what they're saying. So you can take, I guess there is sort of a silver lining to this tomorrow. Mm. The Fed has to take this into account, I would think. So it gives them air cover to be dovish going forward. Again, I'm, I'm in a much different camp. But the fact that FedEx is going from 270 to 170 in a year, I mean, that's a startling but move. Didn't, see, I think it priced... FedEx had priced in Europe and China. Um, whether it needs to reprice in more, it's obviously done that after the bell. I've talked about FedEx a few times in the last couple of weeks. I like the company here. Slowing global growth, so, slowing domestic growth. That's the story. That's the theme. Sell the market, sell FedEx. Up next, final trades. Final trade time, Tim Seymour. I like home improvement. I like Lowe's, and I like this valuation. Take a look. BK. Well, in a low-rate environment, which we find ourselves, check out Altria, 6% dividend, making a little bit of a pivot towards cannabis, marijuana. Grosso? Although it wasn't as defensive as I would have liked it to have been, XLU's utilities, the ETF, I would stick there if you don't know which way the market's going. Happy birthday, guys. Well, I appreciate Happy that. Happy birthday. So nice. Very nice. We got some people from the University of North Carolina, Wilmington here. I know we can, oh. but there are a lot of them. They're floating around in the back. So UNC Wilmington, big shout out there. Thank you from Nut62. And we know you're not. Karen Power pitched Target last night. So she got me thinking, TGT. I said 62 because it's obvious that you're not. No, it's, there's obvious. nothing obvious, Mel. <laughs> <Obvious. laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for watching. See you back here tomorrow at 5. That money starts right now.